Princess. While most of us can only dream of the title of princess, the idea of being a princess has always had a mainstay in girl-centered media and vernacular. Aside from those who find themselves lucky enough to actually be called princess, the title over time has turned into a pejorative word to describe women and more specifically, girls or women with childlike tendencies. From terms of endearment between family members to sideways compliments on spending habits and even outright insults. The idea of princess has many faces. Co-opted mostly by adolescent girls and dreaming of a beautiful fantasy life where there are singing dishes, birds that help you get dressed, and of course, a charming and handsome prince to whisk you off into the lap of luxury. Bonus points if there's a fairy godmother included. We use the idea of princess to uplift girls and to allow them to feel precious, cared for, protected, and provided for. Princesses are important. Princesses are loved. Princesses are pampered. For girls who are lucky, you get to experience this in real life, not just in daydreams. And for the majority of us, you know, grow up attached to watching princesses and imagining yourself in those big castles and beautiful gowns and singing mice. And while the idea of little girls as princesses is old as time, a company came along that would capitalize on the idea of princesses and turn it into a cultural symbol of girlhood forever. Disney. In 1812, the Brothers Grimm published the tale of Snow White. The classic German fairy tale includes the story of a young girl who befriends seven strangers and is being essentially hunted by her wicked stepmother. Over time, this classic fairy tale has been translated and retranslated into multiple languages and essentially is told in many variations all around the world. In 1947, a new variation was introduced to the world in the form of the animated movie from Disney, which broke ground as one of the first full-length animated feature films and the first produced in the United States. Breaking technology barriers at the time, Snow White was no longer a classic fairy tale or a new type of media. She was the very first Disney princess. In 2000, Andy Mooney, a former UK Nike executive, was onboarded as the new chairman of Disney Consumer Products Worldwide. A division started in 1929 when Walt Disney himself licensed the image of Mickey Mouse to be used for the production of a children's writing tablet. To begin to learn more about the division that he was set to head, Mooney went to see a Disney on Ice show. In the midst of the fantastical show, he was looking for inspiration to bring to his new employer, a new idea for products or merchandise that would become a staple in the industry. Since licensing out the first image of Mickey, each Disney character was sent out into the world plastered on everything child size, from plushies to bed sheets to lunchboxes and action figures to video games, kitchenware, and even an exclusive Winnie the Pooh red t-shirt line at Sears. The retail stream was starting to slow to a deafening halt for Disney products, and in an attempt to shake up the department, Mooney was put in place to bring the company's product line back to its glory days. And did he ever. While watching the show with all of its glitz, tricks, and fun, friendly characters gliding across the ice, Mooney focused his attention not on the show itself, but on the audience, and more specifically, the little girls in the audience who would come to the show dressed as their favorite princesses. In an attempt to mimic their favorite Disney characters, little girls were essentially Frankensteining pieces together of Halloween costumes, materials, and old dresses in order to play princess. Mooney was inspired. From there, he and his team established the Disney Princess brand, essentially creating a private member-only club for Disney characters 
that fit a very specific set of criteria. Building up a brand means that you want it to stand out and feel exclusive. This often means that members will be based on guidelines and strict criteria to ensure that not everyone finds themselves on the inside. The Disney Princess brand was no different. While in the basic sense of being a princess, the eligibility requirements are simple. Be the daughter of a king and queen or marry a prince, simple. But the Disney Princess eligibility requirements are a little bit more uh, intricate. According to the Disney Princess fan wiki, the character must have a central role in an animated Disney or Pixar film. The character must be human or have a humanoid appearance, which is why Ariel and formerly Tinkerbell qualified. The character should not be the star of a sequel. The character must be royal by birth, royal by marriage, or do a heroic deed, as in the case of Mulan. The character's film should not have been an overwhelming success or an underwhelming failure. So for an overwhelming success, think of Anna and Elsa from Frozen. The girls are literally princesses by birth. However, they're not included in the brand of Disney princesses. Because the brand of Frozen is such an overwhelming success on its own, they actually stay with the Frozen brand. They're their own house. And that way, all the other princesses stand a little bit separately. As far as an underwhelming failure, think of Kida from the Atlantis City of Lost Empire. The movie didn't do so good, so they just said to hell with Kida, essentially. Along with it, the character must have a massive appeal and recognition by viewers and audiences. With this criteria in place, even characters that were technically princesses in their own individual movie canons would not be considered a Disney princess. Along with other marketing practices like having the princesses face in different directions, in order to maintain their specific methodologies, never acknowledging each other's presence in promotional materials and holding live in-person coronations for each newly inducted member. The Disney princesses were a spark of marketing genius. The brand steadily became the top seller of consumer entertainment products globally. And with it, the princesses themselves became a symbol for little girls. Disney had become the gold standard when it came to child-centered media. In every aspect of the child's experience and entertainment, Disney and its characters and stories were the memories that became our childhoods. With that large of an influence, it's no wonder that there began to be a lot more scrutiny on who the princesses were and what they represented. To date, there are 13 official Disney princesses. Snow White, Cinderella, Aurora, Ariel, Belle, Jasmine, Pocahontas, Mulan, Tiana, Rapunzel, Merida, Moana, and Raya? The Disney princesses, along with their movies and release dates, have been organized over time into different eras. And as you look through each princess era, you can find similar themes, characteristics, and even artistic styles that help you to distinguish one era from another. You can also see the shifts in culture that change how the artists view the stories they were creating for characters. As the saying goes, art imitates life. And as the world began to change, so did the princesses. The classic princess era consists of our most veteran ladies, Snow White, Cinderella, and Aurora, AKA Sleeping Beauty. The classic princess era spans from 1937 with the release of the groundbreaking Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs and ends in 1960 after Sleeping Beauty hit the silver screen. 
These princesses are known for their soft voices, singing, particularly to animals, which became an unwritten staple for a lot of the princess movies for some reason, and their similar animation styles. And while it would be a theme that would continue in the next era of Disney princesses to a degree, the classic era was definitely one built on the damsel in distress model, with one princess in a glass coffin, one in a dungeon of mice and dust, and another in a sleeping coma. The classic era was centered around these princesses being rescued by their handsome and wealthy prince and running off into the sunset. Based on the time, this coincided with the current social climate. The 30s, 40s, and 50s were a time of tradition and focused heavily on family values. And as the country neared the end of the time of this era, the idea of feminism was steadily growing in the country. This shift of women being passive to the world around them was changing, and the princesses shifted also to a new era. The Renaissance era was a crucial time in Disney's past as their movies were beginning to wane in popularity and weren't attracting as much engagement from consumers as before. After the death of Walt Disney, the new leadership implemented a release schedule that did not meet the sales and viewership of films released during the golden era of Disney. The Renaissance era signified a return to the classic animated storytelling, familiar to audiences. The first Disney princess of this era is Ariel, and with the release of The Little Mermaid in 1989, it includes Belle, Jasmine, Pocahontas, and Mulan. Where the golden era princesses were waiting to be rescued by their handsome prince, the Renaissance era princesses were seen as a lot more active in their character arcs. They possessed agency and were more verbal in their wants and needs. While storylines still included the ever-present love interest and pursuit of the kiss from a prince, it was layered a lot differently. There was even an additional criterion added to the Disney princess eligibility to accommodate for Mulan, who was not royal by birth, nor married by the end of her film, but had committed a great act of heroism by serving and saving her country. During this time in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, the world had changed drastically. Women's rights and civil rights meant that the Disney princesses needed to not only be more versatile in their mannerisms, but also in their appearance. As these girls were gaining popularity, they were forming their own unofficial brand. Little girls were flocking to these films and identifying with the characters on screen. With the inclusion of princesses like Jasmine, Pocahontas, and Mulan, the pool was beginning to widen and more and more little girls of color will be able to see themselves in these popular films centered on a female protagonist. The modern era princesses helped to completely break the mold of what the old school princess movie would consist of. No longer was she passively living in squalor waiting to meet a rich prince to rescue her. She was the star of her own show, only casually meeting her love interest, if there even was a love interest along the way. Tiana, Rapunzel, Merida, and Moana were truly the definition of modern. Beginning in 2009, the modern era began as the country was inside of a shift itself. Barack Obama had been elected as the first black president of the United States, and technology was ever transforming the way we experienced our world. These princesses worked, saved to open their own businesses, searched for their truths, went on great adventures alone, and were unapologetic about it all. It was all with the country's first black president in office, it began to become painfully obvious that the Disney princess lineup was missing something. While there had been other Disney princesses of color, 
it didn't go unnoticed that before 2009, there wasn't a princess that little black girls could identify with. Thus marking the beginning transformation into the Disney princess lineup was the introduction of Tiana. Tiana was introduced in 2009's The Princess and the Frog, a modern retelling of the classic brother's film tale, The Frog Prince. Released in December 2009, Tiana was set to be Disney's first black princess and the world and black women and girls everywhere waited with bated breath. Set in Louisiana, Tiana was voiced by the talented and award-winning stage, screen actress, and singer Anika Noni Rose. In the 97-minute runtime, the film was peppered with black family depictions, spirituality, and mysticism, and a prominent place for its black heroine. The film would also be Disney's final classically animated film, marking the end of an era of technology as the studio diverted to 3D animation. The impact of Tiana on the Black community was felt far and wide as a celebrated and long-awaited entry into the Disney vault. With the second highest racial population in the world at 13.5%, the Black community finally had its own Disney movie to point to, giving its little girls a reason to believe that they too were princesses. As the princesses and their representation of more and more little girls continue to grow, it is important that the media giants such as Disney continue to implement diversity, equity, and inclusion into their films. With the expansion of success of all of Disney's latest endeavors that have been working to continue expanding their roster with the confirmation and addition of Raya in Raya of the Last Dragon, Disney's first Southeast Asian princess, and Elena, Elena of Avalor, Disney's first Latin princess, these stories of animated tales of mermaids and magic carpets are the substantial memories that our children have about the world and themselves, where each little girl can pick their Disney princess costume and be fully represented, no matter their lineage. More diverse stories are told that do not condition little girls to be passive in their own experiences and that they can be the main character in their own adventure instead of only sitting comatose in a tower waiting to be rescued. Receive. Thanks for stopping by and hanging out all the way to the end. While you're here, make sure you like, comment, subscribe, and share it with anyone who can and should receive. Be sure to check out the blog at NikkiJKing.com to follow the Libra story and see more content just like this one. Join our Patreon and become a member of the Zodiac Club to get the newsletter, find out exclusive on new content that's coming up, and to help contribute to this channel. I'm Mickey, and until next time, it's just me, my melanin, and a mic. Bye!